Hello and welcome to Assured by Grace. My name is Danny Woodward, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Senior Pastor Phil Congdon. And Phil, uh, another interesting discussion today. You know, we've kind of a throwback to some of the conversations yeah. we've had at the at the very beginning of when we started doing this podcast. Mm. But sometimes it's always good to go back to the basics and to to ground yeah. ourselves in in the truths and uh, the in the purpose for why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, we are. Assured by grace, and that is uh, the centerpiece of this. We uh, we're going to be listening today to John MacArthur, who's going to be answering the question: How do I know if I'm really saved? And this is being asked by a young man. Uh, I don't know his name from Dial In Ministries, and uh, this is a a question that bothers people all the time. I have a a young man just in the last week or so. Is um, he is a uh, has a condition that causes him to constantly be worrying and fretting about details. Uh, it's sort of a just a he always is, is wondering about things. And one of the things that he wonders about is, am I really saved? And he's listened to some preachers and and they will say things like, well, if you're really saved, then you won't do this. Or if you're really saved, then you will always be studying your Bible and mm. and uh, and sharing your faith, things like this. And uh, you know, there's no denying these are good things. But John MacArthur is actually he's pretty old, uh, and yet he is he still has a big influence. He reaches a lot of people. He does. And so uh, I don't know when exactly this was asked uh, of him, but. What we're going to do is we're going to get right into this, and I'm going to stop it a few times because I want to just highlight a few things that are are said. So without any further ado, this is John MacArthur uh, answering a question, and it'll start with the young man who is interviewing him, talking to him. Pastor John, my question for you is, how can someone, how can I have assurance of my salvation I think it's so important because so much of our growth in Christ biblically is rooted in a confidence that we have been saved. I want to just stop this right here and say uh, this this guy is spot on. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, he is exactly right. That is, our growth in the Christian life is rooted in the fact that we know that we are saved, not wondering am i saved or not yeah it's a biblical principle that he's picking up on there throughout uh, and, the new testament yeah and uh and the apostle john in, in his first uh epistle first john 5 he he says you know i've written these things to you who believe in the name of the son of the god in order that you may know that you have eternal life and that desire is reflected in all of these gospel presentations. Uh, uh, when Jesus said in John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He doesn't want there to be any question. He wants these who believe in him to know that they are secure and that they have passed out of uh, judgment and they have passed into life, passed out of death into life. So anyway, that's that's good. We're starting off on a good note. It's a great question. And for many people, they don't know if they've actually been saved. They think they have, 
but they don't remember a specific date or then there was a season of sin. And so it's hard for them to move forward uh, with confidence that they have been saved and therefore they are dead to sin. So help us out. How can we have assurance that we are saved? Okay, I'm just stopping it just for a moment just to say yeah, the, the question here is, uh, how can I have assurance that I am saved? And uh, uh, John MacArthur is going to change this question just slightly in his response. Listen here. Well, you can eliminate one thing for certain that can take your assurance, and that is the idea that you could lose your salvation. Hmm. That, that's a lie. Salvation is forever. Salvation is eternal. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Jesus said in John 6, all that the Father gives to me will come to me, and I will lose none of them, but raise them at the last day. Salvation is forever. All right. Can we affirm this here again uh, with, with uh, John MacArthur? We want to say absolutely this is true, that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and you received the gift of eternal life, you've been born again, you can't be unborn. You can't lose eternal life. If you receive eternal life, it's eternal. That's what it is. So that that's that's good. I don't know if you have anything you want to throw in here. No, uh, so far so good. Okay, here we go. So if you are saved, it's forever. That faith cannot fail because that faith is not your faith. That's a gift of God who's given it to you, Ephesians 2. Uh-oh. Okay. Ah, no, we have to first of all say you just committed a hermeneutical felony. That is an interpretive felony when he said that in Ephesians 2 that the faith that you have, it cannot fail because it was a gift of God. Well, first of all, faith can fail. We have examples in the New Testament of faith failing. People uh, had a faith. They were walking in faith. Then they fell away from the faith. And uh, so the statement there, um, he's, if he were saying, if all he were saying was, you can't lose your salvation, that's one thing. But when he turns it around and says, my faith, my walk of faith, my uh, believing can never be affected by anything, uh, that's just not true. It's not true in Scripture, and uh, it's not true in real life. But then he also made that statement about Ephesians 2. You jumped on that right away, I noticed, when he said that. Ephesians 2, what, he, what he's referring to is Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, the question is, what is the gift of God? Well, the, we don't want to get down into the weeds too much here, but in Greek, you have a relative clause there. It's translated in English, and that, not of yourselves. But what is that? What is, what is that relative pronoun referring to? Well, that relative pronoun has to agree in gender. Uh, in English, we don't have a whole lot of understanding of this, but other languages, French, German, Italian, Spanish, they all have gender. And you always have a definite article or a relative pronoun that is going to agree 
with the noun that it modifies or that it relates to. So here we have, for by grace, that's chiris, Mm -hmm. feminine, you have been saved through faith, pistis, feminine, and that, and it's not feminine, the word that is neuter. Therefore, it is not picking up faith or grace. Instead, it is referring to the entire process. So for John MacArthur to hear say that that faith is a gift of God and therefore it cannot fail, um, he's making an error that a first-year Greek student should not make. But I understand where he's going, so let's keep listening. So you eliminate that if you get your theology right, that salvation is forever. So all you want to know is, is my salvation forever? And here's how you know. I think there are three tests and then a fourth comment. Test number one is, what do you love? What do you love? All right. Um, uh, He's going to say a little bit more about this, but um, this is an interesting statement because love is... That's a very fluid and vacillating kind of a thing. Um, uh, you know, do you love a certain kind of food? Do you love a person? Um, all, all those kinds of things. And it is not an objective fact. So it's more of a how much do I love? Yeah. And let's see what he has to say about this. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, new things come. Okay, first of all, the verse says nothing about love. Uh, I understand that's very true. What he's he's just quoting is 1 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, new things have come. But what does that mean? For him to arbitrarily say that means that you're going to have love certain things, or you're going to love Jesus, or you're going to love God in a certain way, that's different than saying new things have come. Mm. New things have come. Let's see. What what are these new things? I, I like to think of them as new affections. So the first mark of a believer, it's not perfect love, but it's evident love. What, what do you love? You love the Lord? You, you love His Word? You know, you don't love him like you should. It needs to be increased. You don't love the word like you should, but you love those things. You love the people of God. You want to be with his people. You want to be in the church. You want to be a part of a worshiping group. So love is the first evidence of a transformed heart. All right, this is, this is really fascinating because all of this is totally arbitrary, drawn from thin air, and it's actually, he could have picked maybe 20 other things. Um uh, do you have a, a love for the lost? Do you have a love for those who are poor? Do you have uh, a love for uh, refugees? Do you have a love for, uh, you, you, you can just go on and on. And the question is, uh, okay, do I have to go through that checklist? Well, and, and not only that, Phil, but I can think of two things off the top of my head that could prohibit a new believer from feeling that love and that you know that could be anything from experiencing personal tragedy where they're they're just they're they're going through something very very hard in their life and and you're in the midst of that 
you know, you're in a, you're in a bunker down and hold on situation. And he's saying, you need to have love. What are you talking about? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to keep it all together. Yeah. And the second thing yeah, that's could be a uh, sin. You know, when we go through sin, uh, yeah. we don't have naturally affections to the, to, to, to God, because there's, there's that sin that comes between us in our fellowship with God. Doesn't mean we didn't believe, doesn't mean yeah. we're not saved, but it can mean that, that we don't feel as close to him as we ought to feel. I'm going to add just two things. One of them will apply to everything he has to say, and that is that it's very clear that you don't have any assurance at this point because you don't know. Yeah. You haven't, you know, do I love Jesus enough? Uh, well, I think I do, um, but I don't know. So putting putting our assurance in a subjective means. Yeah, that's of, that's the first thing. And then the flip side of this, too, is, is uh, that there are also things that God hates. And so if, if you're going to say, I love God, then you have to say, well, there are things that I hate, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, that, that's, that's a, the battle of life. And we are going to be facing that battle as long as we're here on earth. In Romans 8, it says that creation, all creation groans, and we groan because we're waiting for that arrival of the day when sin will not be working in our bodies. And so so to say this just bluntly like that, I just want to say how much, how long, how many times? Uh, what if I don't feel like I love the Lord enough? If you're tying your assurance, how do I know that my salvation is forever? And by the way, that's the question, if you notice that John MacArthur asked, is my salvation forever? Mm. So he, he's not saying that you can have a salvation that's temporary because he already said that if you're really saved, you are saved forever. So when he says, is my salvation forever? The real question is, do I have salvation? And if I can follow on from what you said, if you just believed in Jesus and you sit down and you hear this, good night, it's going to take me 10, 15 years to figure out whether I really love Jesus, love God's people, love the needy, love the poor, love everybody. Uh, You know, that's going to be a problem. And I think John goes on to talk about that a little bit. Here we go. Second one is humility. There's a sense in which you are aware of your sinfulness and you never really get over this incredible grace that's been given to you to save you. All right. Now that's the second one. Uh, uh, humility. Um, do you have humility? Well, sometimes I feel like I do and other times I don't. So I guess sometimes I'm assured and sometimes I'm not. And, and again, this is uh, such a fluid kind of a thing to say. Do you have humility? Maybe everybody has humility at some point. If you recognize your yeah. humility, have you lost it? <laughs> am I humble enough? Yeah. Uh, am I proud about my humility? Anyway, just humor aside. Once again, you understand that this is, uh, you know, I'm trying to look at myself and see, do I have something? So if I think I have it, okay, I'm saved. But, you know, when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to be doubting. I wonder if I really do. 
Let's go to the third thing. The third one is obedience. It's not perfect obedience, but it's a longing in your heart to obey the Lord. You do acknowledge him as Lord you want to obey. So love, humility, and obedience. All right. Now, boy, I'll tell you what. Talk about opening a kettle of fish. Yeah. Obedience. Uh, I'm assuming that he means obedience not to your parents or to the government or something, but obedience to God. Uh, I, I think that's safe to say. So you're you're going to be humble about and you're about all this. You know that you, that God has been gracious to you. You're going to love Jesus and you're going to be obedient to God. Okay. Well, there are. Tons and tons of exhortations and warnings all through the Bible. And uh, he said right at the beginning, it doesn't mean perfect obedience. But you've just, you raise a huge problem there. Well, how much obedience do I need? And he says, you know, it's a general, you know, you want to obey the Lord. Well, okay. If I say I want to obey the Lord and then I don't, did I really want to? Or did I just say that I wanted to? Play a lot of mind games with yourself, can't you? You're going to be totally, uh, constantly going around in circles here. And now he comes to his fourth. And then the fourth thing is this. The single most uh, validating reality in life for your faith is not some idea in your head. It's trials. It's what can your faith survive? You know, people who say, well, I believe in the Lord, and something goes wrong in their life, and they walk out. Well, that's not a saving faith. That's not a faith that's a gift from God. All right, we got to stop it right there. Because this is a, this is a classic and, a, a, boy, a very uh, a dividing line. If... You come into a time of trials, and you walk away from your faith, or um, you, you fall away from from your faith, and your faith falters. That's not a saving faith. Well, that's really fascinating, mm. uh, because John the Baptist, Paul the Apostle, um, uh, Peter, um, and then a number of the rogues gallery, if you will, mm-hmm. of characters in the epistles in the New Testament. They struggled. They fell away from their faith. They came back to their faith. Well, then, was it not real the first time, John? Was it only real the second time? And what is their assurance that they will never fall away again? Uh, is there any one of us? that can say with absolute certainty, we'll never fall away. I'll never, I'll never fall away from the Lord. Uh-oh. Um, you can't say that. We are all, as the old hymn said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Prone to leave the Lord I love. And that is because we are still living in the flesh and there's a battle. So there is a, a real, this is a classic error that John MacArthur has made in saying that if you come into a time of trials, you get cancer, 
your husband or wife dies or a child gets a disease or anything, if that happens and you don't respond correctly, well, then you're not saved. Or you were never in to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And, And the other thing that he says, he mentions there at the very end, is that it, faith is a gift. Yeah. And and there's a big difference between what we believe about faith and, yeah. and that it's a choice and what John is saying that faith is. That it's a gift of God. Yeah, you understand, those who are theologians will understand this, that John MacArthur is a Calvinist and he has a belief that God elected those who are going to be saved in eternity past. And so he chose those who would believe, and he gave them uh, the gift of faith so that uh, there are some people uh, who just can't believe because they have not been given the gift of faith by God, and there are others who can. This is not found in the pages of Scripture, needless to say, for, as the Bible would say, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's given to all. God is not willing that any should perish. Uh, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus is the payment for our sins and for the sins of the whole world too. He's paid for the sins of every person. Therefore, to, to say that God is not allowing somebody to believe is nothing, it's not found in the pages of Scripture. It's found in John MacArthur's Calvinist theology. Let's go on. Because that lasts. So you take Job as an illustration. Hmm. Devastation. I mean, just devastation every way you could cut it. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So when you go through a trial, maybe your mom is, is, gets cancer or maybe your dad dies or maybe some horrible thing happens or maybe you're invested in a relationship and you know the, the person you're interested in walks away from you or whatever the issue is, maybe you get an illness. Does your faith stay intact through that trial? That's what Peter's talking about when he says it's those kinds of trials that validate your faith. All right. Well, he got to Scripture there, and and I'm going to have to stop and, and just talk about that for a minute. But first of all, to, to say that your faith uh, and how you respond to trials, that that validates whether or not you're saved or not, then that makes your faith that saves you dependent on your response to a trial. Think about that for a minute. It doesn't, it, it, it isn't something that uh, has been given to you as a free gift, and now it's yours. No, it's something that you're going to have to prove that you've really gotten. And, Let me, and you know, it, go it cheapens God's, uh, the, 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 sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Yeah. When you say that that somehow it's dependent upon you, you're saying that 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 blood that he shed on our behalf for the sins that that we commit is somehow not good enough to cover us yeah. fully. 
Uh, and I want to just uh, refer in First Peter chapter one verse seven. This is where John MacArthur was referring when he said that it's trials that validate our faith. And I want to show you that this is not what Peter is saying, not at all. Uh, we know that Peter is writing to Christians because he says in First Peter chapter one, uh, start at verse three. He says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy." has caused us to be born again. So he's writing to people who are born again. They have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, we're talking about believers. So what is he saying then when he starts talking about trials? They were facing trials. These were Christians who were facing a withering trial. He says, in this, that is, in this new life that you have, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. They were being persecuted. Some of them have been put to death. They were facing trials because of their faith. And so he says, you rejoice in the fact that you are saved even though you're facing these trials now. And then he says this. You, he says, this is why you rejoice, so that the proof of your faith, this is not validating their faith. This is the proof of their faith. This is their faith living out. And then he illustrates what this proof means. He says, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. When gold is being purified, it is the, it is heated up and the dross all burns away and it becomes pure and it is precious then. And Peter says that that's what trials do. Trials are going to purify your faith, so that your faith in God is something that as you go through a trial, that is, it's not that it proves that you have faith. No, it purifies it. And it then he says this, so that it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. So now we, we see the picture that my faith and I, maybe I just started as I'm in a baby and I'm starting to grow, sure. but I go through a trial. And that faith, as I go through that trial, that faith now becomes purified. And that faith is going to result in praise and glory and honor when I stand before Jesus Christ. It doesn't have anything to do with proving whether or not you're a Christian or not proving whether or not you'll go to heaven. It has to do with your faith being purified. And I think a lot and, of our faiths, uh, you know, need to have that. And it, the, the irony of this whole situation is that the, the verse seems to be encouraging us, validating what, what we ought to know is already there yeah. and encouraging us to, uh, to look forward to what we have to, to gain from that, not to, to, 
navel gaze and fall apart. <laughs> the, 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 the apostle James in the first chapter of his epistle says virtually the same thing. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Because if you respond to them correctly, then you'll prove that you're really saved. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, consider it a joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. In other words, your faith now is stronger. It can last through more things. And let that endurance, James says, have its perfect result, that you may be complete, lacking nothing. That's what we are looking at here. We're looking at growing in our Christian life, not trying to prove that we're really saved. But let's go on and listen to what he has to say. And so I have to say this in all honesty. If you're 15 years old, you might question your faith more than you do than you would if you were my age. Okay, this is a, this is crazy. Uh, why should a 15 year old doubt his salvation more than somebody who's John MacArthur's age? I don't know. I, I've actually thought about this, and I thought I have a lot of reasons to doubt my salvation now. Because maybe I've been walking with the Lord longer, but then I would have the question, why do I still sin at all? Mm. Whereas a 15-year-old, you know, instead of telling him he ought to doubt his salvation because he's struggling with sin, what we should be telling him is, if you believe in Jesus, don't doubt your salvation. Trust in Jesus to help you through these tough times just interesting because i've i've been through that i've been through a wife that broke her neck and broke c3 and c2 and should have died i've been through a, you know my son having a brain tumor i've been through illnesses where i almost died blood clots in my lungs and and my faith comes through and just gets stronger all the time so i say this isn't my faith mm. this is this is a faith that stands the test mm. you know and i i appreciate that 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 he does have a strong faith I would just say that he needs to be careful because some of that lack of humility is showing there. Uh, it seems like he's really awfully proud of the the strength of his faith. But I'm not going to accuse him of that. Uh, but, guys, every one of us is going to struggle. We're going to struggle. If somebody says they don't have any more sin, they're a liar. The truth is not in them, First John 1. So, you know... I'm glad he's strong, but there are others sitting in his church who are struggling, and they don't have all of the support, and they don't have all of that um, backing and and all of that kind of uh, rubric that he has all around him to keep him strong. They're out working in the docks or something, and they're facing temptations, and they're facing trials, and for somebody to say, you got to be like me or else you're not saved. That That's scary to me. This is, I mean, the devil said, Job, Job just trusts you, God, because you, you bless him. So God says, okay, take it all away. Take it all away. And we'll test his faith. And it was all taken away. Uh, and by the way, this was not a test of whether or not Job was a godly man. We're told at the beginning of Job that he was a righteous man. So that isn't a test of whether or not he's saved. And, and to use it that way 
is to rip it bleeding and screaming from its context. All of it. And he said, even if you slay me, I'll trust you. That's, that is a gift of God. That's a faith that comes from above. So as you grow as a Christian, as you have more experiences that challenge your faith, if you come out the other side, trusting the Lord, still loving him, still humble, still desiring to be obedient, those are the acid tests. Okay, and if you don't, then you probably don't know your square one. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, the other thing, Phil, is we mentioned earlier that you thought that a lot of these tests that John is describing are, are tests that are, uh, you know, hard to nail down and that over time, it's going to take a long time before you can be certain of anything or feel any type of certainty in anything. And even then, it's not certain that it's going to last. That it's essentially what he's saying right here and a little bit earlier. He's agreeing with what, what that first observation you made. He is. Uh, it's very subjective. Uh, you mentioned the, the term navel gazing, and this is a, yeah. a term that's used somewhat humorously of people who are always looking at their own lives to decide whether or not they're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that, you will never have assurance of salvation. Um, just to, to finish up here, um, uh, I want to talk briefly about obedience and about trials. Um, John MacArthur says, what is the trajectory in your life? Is the trajectory in toward believing? Well, maybe my trajectory is toward believing today, and maybe tomorrow it isn't so much. There is no assurance in any of these tests to know whether or not you're really saved. How about persevering through trials? Um, If you're saved and you go through a trial and then you fall away, okay, well, then you weren't really saved. Now you're questioning, how can I ever know if I'm going to be saved? So if we go through trials and we stand strong uh, and that, that proves that now I'm saved. You know what I'm thinking? I wonder what's going to happen with the next trial. Can I make it? I'm just made it by the skin of my teeth on this one. Can I make it through the next one? So I'm going to, I'm going to end today by, by telling you the answer to the question really of how to know if you're really saved. Uh, Because the sad reality is, is that if you ever in any way fall away or fall short from the faith. And according to MacArthur, you were never saved in the first place. Even if you've walked with the Lord for years and then you fall into sin and you fall away from the Lord, nope, you were never saved in the first place. And if you ask me, this is the height of arrogance and hubris for somebody to say uh, that because of the way you live your life, uh, and because of what's happened in your life, because of the way you reacted to this situation, you are not saved. That is that is not something we can do at all. Uh, I would quote First Samuel sixteen seven, where we have this beautiful little statement: "The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance; the Lord looks on the heart." 
John MacArthur cannot see my heart or your heart. John MacArthur can only speak to his own heart. John MacArthur can look at the works of everybody and what they do and say, but that is not what determines whether you are saved. So what does? The only way to have assurance, only way to have assurance is by responding to the question, is my salvation forever? By saying, not, well, yes, because I do this and I do that, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me. So you don't want to even use the first person singular. How do I know I'm going to heaven? It's not because I anything. It's because Jesus is God's son. He came to earth. He died on the cross for my sin. He rose from the dead. He did it all. And it gave me eternal life through faith in him. That's not I did something. I tried. I was loving. I was humble. uh, I was obedient. I endured through trials. No. He gave his life. God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for my sin, rose from the dead, and he gave me the free gift of eternal life through faith in him. That's grace, and that's where assurance is. Yeah. And and listen, once you once you've got that down and, and you acknowledge that, you understand that, and that's solid in your mind, then start worrying about love and humility yeah. and obedience. And and by the way, the question that this young man asked on this website at the beginning, you know, when he said, yeah. you know, assurance is so important because it's the foundation to growth. It, it's just remarkable to me that at the end of this short little interview that there is no assurance of salvation. Yeah. There's no way to have assurance. Assurance means you know. You can't have sort of assurance. You either are assured, that is, you know you are saved, or you don't have assurance. You don't know you're saved. And you can be 99% sure. That means you don't have assurance yet. So, Being sure is based on the fact that Jesus died for my sin, rose from the dead. He's the Son of God and came to earth. He did that for me and gave me the free gift of eternal life through faith in him. So anyway, I I don't know if we've we've helped some of you that might be doubting today. But um, if you are doubting, just know that there are going to be Bible teachers like John MacArthur, who because of their theology are going to be telling you that the only way to know that you're really saved is by looking at your behavior and how you're faithful, how you're living, if you're avoiding sin, if you're doing the right thing, if you're going to church, putting money in the plate, singing in the choir, if you're doing all those things, and if you love the Lord, and if you're humble and obedient to all of his commands. Make your head spin. Yeah, about that point, you're saying, well, I don't think I am. But when I look at Jesus and I say, yeah, I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. 
And listen, if you have questions and uh, anything that we've said, you want to maybe dig into a little deeper, feel free to write us at New Braunfels Bible at mbbc.org, and we'd love to talk to you. Uh, Thanks, Bill. Thanks a lot. It's it's good to be able to talk about this and uh, look forward to seeing you next time.